0: Buenos dias. Dios los bendiga. Amén. It's great to be here, Pastor. It's, uh, I think this is the first time we're sharing in the new church. Yeah, last time we were here, five years ago, we were sharing in, in the old building. So this is exciting. God is good, and uh, he's doing greater and bigger things all the time. Amen. And I'll never forget when Pastor Roberto came and uh, he stood in your church and he was expecting, because your church had come down and helped to build, um, you know, the, the, the it was the Teen Challenge Center, but it also was a homeless shelter and so forth. And he was expecting this huge church. And we pull into the parking lot and he sees your church and he he says, wow. I mean, because the church had given a lot for the project and he said, you know, I see it's the size of your heart and not the size of your church in the building itself. So, God is so good, and you've been so faithful to the Lord, Pastor. You're, you have a wonderful pastor who has a heart for missions. Not every church has that. So, you're very, very blessed. Amen. Well, before we get started this morning, um, I'm going to pray in Spanish so you get a little feel of how we do it in Mexico. Está bien? Amén. Señor te damos gracias por esta hermosa mañana, Señor te damos gracias por todas tus bendiciones, gracias por esta iglesia, bendice el pastor, bendice todos los que están aquí, Espíritu Santo te pido que vienes a cada corazón y nos muevas, nos puedes sacudir aunque sea un poquito y ayúdanos a aprender más de ti en esta mañana, te damos este tiempo en el nombre de Cristo Jesús, amén, amén. Those of you that didn't understand, you better get working on your Rosetta Stone for your next missions trip. So, praise God. Well, you know, in the, we've been in Mexico going on 19 years this July. Next, next month will be 19 years. So, um, it flew by. It has flown by. But we are so thankful that we said yes. When God said, will you go, we said yes. And so, when you don't say yes to God, you're missing out. Trust me. So if God, he loves obedience. So if God asks you to do something, you say yes. But in the last part of the video there, it said, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few, right? And uh, will you go? So uh, we hear that in scripture a lot. It's a very common, popular missions verse, right? You've heard it before. You see it on banners and so forth. And um, But I just want to focus this morning On the part there that says, um, in the verse, we're going to go to Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And uh, it says, Then Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were bewildered or confused, or disoriented, lost, and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, it's great, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. So I just wanted to highlight the scriptures before Jesus says that. It says that Jesus saw the crowds, and he was moved with compassion, and when we got to, to Mexico, the first couple of years we were pretty much helping a pastor down there and other missionaries, and we were working with them on their projects. And then, um, probably about 15 years ago, we started working in a particular neighborhood. and And your pastor has been to that neighborhood. We call it El Coli, and it's a it's a neighborhood. It's we have many neighborhoods just like it, but God asked us to be specifically focused on that neighborhood. And in that neighborhood, when we first got there, there was a lot of makeshift houses. There still are, but you know, little by little, you get more, more uh, mortar, you get more cement, you get more bricks every now and then, and you can kind of build it up. But there were a lot of houses. There continues to be several houses that are you know, aluminum roof, whatever you can find. Some of them were cardboard. Some of them uh, were just whatever it could be put together for the time being until they could put something together so there's a lot of need a lot of situations where people just didn't have food most of them didn't have don't have cars some can't read some can't write Um, situations where there's just very little and part of that is very little hope and uh, just waiting for your next meal I've seen it where in that neighborhood on the, the, the corner where the tiendita is, where we do the kids program. I've seen girls walk in and buy two diapers at a time because there's not enough to buy a whole package of diapers. They'll go in, put a couple of pesos down, and they'll buy two diapers for the day. So just to give you an idea of the need, the great need in that particular neighborhood. And, you know, when you, when you hear the word compassion... We all have kind of an idea of what that is. And we, uh, we all have that sentimiento, you know, that feeling, right? How many have ever watched a commercial? And I don't, I don't know if whether it's for St. Jude's or whether it even, it's even a dog, you know, the, the abandoned dog. And your heart goes, oh, and you kind of like feel that little bit of, right? That's compassion. But a lot of times, I have to say in most cases, that's all it stays is just a feeling. And I'm not saying that, that we're indifferent because we see things and it does hurt us, but Jesus was never indifferent. There are people that are that really, you know, they're kind of indifferent. They're like, well, you know, that's life. Um, well, you know, that's how some people that's how some people live. But God doesn't want us to feel indifferent. He wants us to make a difference. Amen. So the next frame there says, Jesus' compassion always leads to action. And when we hear the word compassion, we might think of different things. Um, here's, here's some of the synonyms of, of the word compassion. Maybe you can identify with one of them. Sympathy, kindness, merciful, tenderhearted, consideration, sadness, loving, soft-hearted, or even gracious. Aren't they beautiful? Those are beautiful feelings. God created us that way. God created us that way. In fact, he's a God of compassion, and he is the example of compassion. A lot of times we think that compassion came on the scene when Jesus arrived, you know, and Jesus would heal people because he had compassion or, or Jesus was moved with compassion. But, you know, the heart of God has always been compassion, even in the in the New Testament there are 14 verse or 14 books of the Bible in the Old Testament that describe our God as a compassionate and loving God. In fact, he is so compassionate and so loving that he sent his one and only son to suffer, to be bruised, to be beaten and to die on a cross because he has compassion. And so Jesus, of course, who has the heart of his father, comes on the earth, and when he saw the crowds, he was full of compassion. But it didn't just stay a feeling. He was moved by it, and it led him to do something. And that's what God has helped us to do in Mexico, to not just feel something, but to do something. And I just want to quickly uh, go over some, some of the examples in the Bible that we have of compassion. And uh, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and Matthew again. You know, in the Gospels, of all, all four Gospels, we have the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Well, probably more than that, right? Um, but did you know in Matthew 14, 14 through 21, as well as the, all, all the other Gospels, we hear this story. But in this particular one, it says, uh, Jesus was moved with compassion as he saw the crowd and the disciples came to him and said, okay, Jesus, um, there's a lot of people here. Um, we're off the clock. You did a good job. It's time to go. Uh, we're hungry. They're hungry. Can you, can you tell them to go now? They're hungry. And you know what Jesus said? They don't need to leave. You feed them. Did you know that in, in the, in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, you feed them. So Jesus doesn't want to do everything. He wants us to be involved in his miracles. He wants to use us to bring about his compassion. And so uh, they went looking, and they found some loaves and some fish. Jesus took what they found and did a miracle. But he wants us to be involved. He wants us to be a part of what he is doing. In Mark, we have the story of the leper. Mark 1, 41. It says, Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Nobody touched a leper in those days. Talk about social distancing. They put them on the outside of the city. And when they walked into the city, they had to declare and they had to yell, unclean. Everybody knew you don't go near a leper. It was a death sentence. And Jesus not only stretched out his hand, you know, when they say, stretch your hand in this direction, he went over and touched the leper. I have to say, sometimes in missions, God is going to ask you to do some things that don't make sense. And you're you're like, God, really? But that's dangerous. But God, that's, what if I get sick? What if I get shot? (laughs) So that's what some of our questions in Mexico sometimes. And God says, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Just do it. And when we step out in faith and we do what God has asked us to do, to do we will see the miraculous. And so Jesus, moved by compassion, touches him, and he's cleansed. Amen the other the other stories of the widow in luke in luke 7:13 we have the widow and when jesus saw her the bible says he had compassion another version says that his heart went out to her and you know what he did he went up to her and he said don't cry jesus cares about our emotional well-being as well don't cry and you know what he did he being moved by compassion he walks over to the casket now this woman is a widow Her only son is in that casket. She's lost her husband. She's now lost her son. And she's all alone. Jesus walks over to the casket, raises the child up from the dead, takes him back to his mom. Because Jesus isn't one to just sit around and say, yeah, you know what, I'm really sorry that happened. I'll pray for you. God wants us to do something. He wants us to do something. So, you have the story of the two blind men in Matthew, Matthew 20. Remember the story of the two blind men? They're, they're sitting on the side of the road and Jesus is walking by, and we call it un escándalo. There's a scandal going on. The, the crowd is following and there's a lot of commotion. And so, they hear the commotion because they can't see it. And they're like, Jesus is walking by. Now's our opportunity. So, they yell out, right? Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And instead of the crowd saying, oh, wait, here's an opportunity. Jesus, look. They looked at them. Now, they're following Jesus, so they're believing in Jesus, right? Most people that follow Jesus, that's because they're following them because they believe. But they see these two men, and you know what they said to them? Gaiete. They told them to shut up. But they didn't keep quiet. They yelled out, the Bible says they yelled out even louder, Son of David, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus stops, walks over to them, touches their eyes, and instantly they're healed. And what I love about this story is that it says in the word of God that they got up and followed Jesus. Jesus. They didn't get up and say, hey, high five, that was great, selfie, ah, we got healed today, and walk off. No, they got up, and they followed Jesus. And that is really the mission of compassion. Because if we just go around doing compassion ministry, and we feed people, we help people, we build them a home, and we get them a washing machine or whatever it is, but we don't tell them about Jesus, all you are a, is a humanitarian compassion you know, uh, organization. You have to give people Jesus because that is the heart of God. The compassion that they're lost, the compassion that they're bewildered, that they're walking around aimlessly is because they don't have hope. They don't have direction. They don't have a savior. So walking alongside of all of our friends there in Mexico, it has been twofold. It has been telling them about Jesus and meeting their needs as well. And it has been so fulfilling and so life-changing. And you guys have all been a part of that. And we just have some stories that we want to share with you guys this morning. And uh, I think the next frame, we have um, Katya and and her family um, in this particular neighborhood that, that we were in. Now, just to give you an idea, when we have our kids program on a Saturday... We come in. It's not like here your kids are in kids' church and there's four walls and it's climate controlled. And if it's too hot, you, you, you put the air on. If it's too cold, you put the heat on. And then, you know, it's, if you want to add lights, you can add lights. If you want to have it a carpet there, it's all real nice for your kids, right? So we go out to this park. And... Um, we set out lonas, um, tarps. We put our tarps down. We have to sweep it first because a lot of times there's all kinds of junk there. So we, we sweep it, and then we put the tarps down. Then we put the tents up or the sound system. And the kids are, you know, they're coming from all directions. We get the sound system going, okay, we're going to have our program. And come in, you know, in, in uh, half an hour, we're going to start. And this and that. They start coming. We have activities for them. So anything can happen on any given Saturday. And one of my prayers every Saturday is, oh, God, please keep the distractions away. Satan, don't try it. Well, I mean, we've had everything from the drunks trying to cry, come in and grab my mic while I'm talking. Uh, we have seven, well, they're normally the seven drunks that are always there. I know them all by name. And they're they're, you know. But anyway, Memo, Memo is the, the friendliest one. But anyway, Memo will try to come up every now and then and take the mic. I'm like, out no, now. No, no. Memo, we'll talk later. So we have all kinds of distractions. I brought my cowbell with me this morning. So imagine here you are trying to tell the lesson, and starting from five blocks away, it's fate, but then it gets louder and louder and louder. You're trying to tell the kids about Jesus, and you hear. The whole time you're trying to teach your lesson, or at least, you know seven minutes of it, and the reason the cowbell you hear that every Saturday morning, is because the garbage is coming. So the garbage is coming by, and you, you listen for the garbage bell everywhere in Mexico. No matter where you live, in a nice gated community, or whether you live in a shack, everybody hears the garbage bell, for two reasons. Because you don't ever put your garbage out and leave it there, because the street dogs will come and make a mess of it, and it'll be all over the place. And the other thing is, is that when you hear the garbage bell, you go out, you put the garbage, you wait for the garbage, you hand it to them, and then you give them a couple of pesos. So they want to make sure that they get their pesos, too. So it serves uh, two purposes. But we hear the garbage bell all the time. So you're trying to teach your lesson. Right behind us are the teenagers, and a lot of times you're teaching your lesson, and whiffs of marijuana are coming around, and you're like, Woo, Yes, you're trying to tell the story about Jesus, you know. And uh, one time we had the kids set the trash on fire. The other kid is trying to climb the mountain and, you know, running around. The dogs, we have street dogs that come and accompany the kids. One time I counted up to six dogs that had come to the kids' class. Um, one day the little girl came. She had a shoebox. I said, what do you have in there? She opened it up, and there was a little baby chicken in there. So uh, you never know. You never know any given week what could happen. Motorcycles going by, all kinds of distractions and noise and so forth. So that's, what, that's how we roll on a Saturday morning. So in that neighborhood, um, Julia was the first mom after two and a half years going around, knocking on doors, inviting the kids out. And, and the one with the turquoise shirt, after two and a half years of doing the program, finally, the moms would come, kind of stand in the back. She was the first mom to raise her hand and say, I'm ready to ask Jesus into my heart. I'm so glad we didn't give up after two years. And so after that, her she has seven girls. And uh, eventually... She left the dad. The dad was always abusive. The dad was always coming home drunk and so forth. But Katia right here, she was one of our girls that came to the kids program for, for many, many years. And then we had a girls' class. Four years, we had a girls' class. And um, when she got into her late teens, she started with drugs and alcohol. And by the age of 23, she looked like death, literally skin and bones, and was dying. And I said to her mom, I said, Julia, we have to find something for Katia. She's she's going she's gonna to end up with, you know, nothing left. And so her mom, who has no money and seven kids, she said, I don't know what to do. So we went and found a, a drug and alcohol rehab center that uh, people had recommended. Um, we paid for Katya for eight months to go to rehab center. And the first time we walked into the rehab center up at the top, The men's one was here, and then uh, around the corner and down the block was the women's. When we walked into the men's one, because that's where the office is to sign up uh, El Internado, the the one who's going to be taken in, um, you're walking past all of these boys and men. The youngest one in there that I walked by, come to find out he was 13, and the oldest was 63. So as I'm walking by to go inscribir, um, to sign Katia up, Right there, God put it in my heart and said, Julie, you need to bring a team back. You need to bring it when the teams come, you need to bring them in so they can minister to these men and women. And so when I called the director up, we had a team come in and I said, Hey, listen, um, we kind of, you know, we do this this thing where when teams come in, we do dramas and we do music and and people can share their testimony. Would you allow us to do that? And they said, Sure. How much does it cost? I said, Oh, well, for you it's gonna be free, you know. So um, we had that first time coming in, and from that very first time, God just melted my heart. I, we had always worked with children. We had always, you know, Chris and I are former school teachers, so we always worked with kids and youth, and that's our, that's our wheelhouse, as they say, you know, and that, that's, that's what excites us. I had never, ever considered working at a drug and alcohol rehab center. That's just not my thing. I don't. I don't even know where to begin. But by the end, the team, the the men, these grown men, some of them were there, and this is how they do it. Before you you um, have to complete your sentence, your prison sentence. They send them to rehab first to get them clean, and then you go to prison to to complete your sentencing. So there's some tough people in this crew, but by the end. All these grown men were bawling, and I had the guys go and pray for the guys, and the women, you go pray for the women. Women and men just bawling and saying, I want Jesus. They've hit rock bottom. They're hopeless. They have nothing else. And Jesus comes in and takes the ashes and makes something beautiful. And so from that very first rehab center, God has helped us to be in seven different rehab centers. That director called another director, and that director called another director, and then by the end of these last four years, this last term, in the last one that we were in that was in the video, the, um, there was a lot of need on the side of a mountain, and it's kind of just like a makeshift area. I said, what is your greatest need? And he said, we need bunk, we need bunk beds because we have that one room, and they're all kind of stuffed in there as sardines, and we have 50 men in there. And uh, so we were, thanks to Mission's money, we were able to get 25 bunk beds so that 50 men can be in that room. And they're much more comfortable now. And they're thrilled. And we take them clothes. We take them, uh, you know, aseo um, personal, uh, like toiletries and uh, all of that. So, you know, just being a blessing. And uh, God opened up that door. God opened up that door. And uh, when God opens a door, you have two choices. You either say yes or you say no. And you don't know the blessings that you're going to receive and the blessing that you will be when you say yes and walk through that door. And when you don't walk through that door, you are robbing yourself of some of the greatest blessings God has for you. So don't be afraid of what's through that door. Because God is with you. Don't be afraid. And uh, so we're going to go to the next picture picture quickly because we're running out of time. So this is a family that we've known for years. Little Pepe in this picture is 14 years old. He's now 17 This is Lourdes, Sergio, up at the top there. They're putting a a metal door on their house because while they were out, uh, well, this is what happened. Lourdes, this little boy was born with an incomplete esophagus. I've known him since he was four years old. And he used to, you know, when she would uh, bring him to the kids program, he looked like a little nine-month-old baby. So we would help. Ha- I've taken him to the hospital. We've taken him to the doctors. Uh, we got Lourdes a washing machine because she ha- did everything by hand and he was always soiling his, his clothes because uh, he eats and everything comes out the side of his neck because there's a hole in his neck, and, but he's fed through a feeding tube. So it's, you know, it, it's not easy. It's not an easy life. And Sergio um, and Lourdes finally came to the Lord after visiting them for eight years. We're here. Lourdes doesn't read or write, so it's taking things on CD, taking the gospel, taking the Bible, songs, so forth. There's she can't read or write, so handing her a Bible doesn't work. But he'll could read or write, and he would uh, hear the Bible and and began reading the Bible and so forth. Gave his heart to the Lord. And uh, really got on fire for God. He was telling his family about the Lord. He had diabetes. Lost. Um, ha- they had to amputate the one leg. And then a few years later, they ended up amputating the other leg. And I was in that room when they sent him home from the hospital because there was no more hope. And in house number 19, he's laying there on the bed. And Lourdes and I are I'm holding her hand. And prayed with him. And you hear Sergio say, I just want to see Jesus. And the next day the next day God took him home. And I said to myself, God, thank you so much that we get to be a part of this. And I say to myself, how many people are going to be in heaven because you sent a missionary to a certain country. Maybe you didn't reach them for Jesus, but that missionary did. And there's going to be people in heaven rejoicing with you and you had a heart and you had a part in it because God Moved your heart to give. And that missionary went and told people about Jesus. And now we have people in heaven because people went, will you go? There's people in your circle of friends and in your circle of work and in your life that God wants you to reach too. God wants to use you too. It's not just the missionary's job. It's everybody's job. But thank you. Thank you. I love missions because it reaches The people that we we don't know and we'll never know until heaven. But Sergio is in heaven. And Lourdes, in fact, when we were in Mexico just this past week, I sat down with Oli. Oli has taken over the Kohli ministry while we're gone. And I put down in front of Oli $2,400 because Lourdes' house is halfway finished. That whole thing has been torn down. The, the The aluminum roof, we had to give her lonas every, you know, tarps every uh, rainy season. We have two seasons in Mexico, dry season and rainy season. Rainy season comes, and we need the rain. But the people are afraid because rain comes in everywhere. And if you don't have a decent house, you just get flooded all the time. So we're helping to build Lourdes and little Pepe a house. So... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is doing beautiful things. But um, the reason we got them the metal door is because we got them a washing machine. And while they were at the market selling, they tried to break in and steal the washing machine with the the wood door. So we had to get a metal door so they don't try to break in and steal the washing machine. So anyway, um, next picture really quickly. Uh, Just to give you an example, this is one of our moms that has a lot of need, Yadira. That's everybody, a room, uh, in that room, that little side room is the bathroom. And in that one room, uh, a family of, now she had had another baby, so we're talking a family of four, five, six people in one room. So if you think you need more space... (laughs) So I go to visit her. She had some uh, some needs. I took her some some uh, food and so forth, and the kids were running around. I said, Yadita, why aren't the kids in school? And she said, well, we couldn't afford school this year. And um, in Mexico, even though the government school is free, you still have to pay an inscription fee for every child. Every child has to have a uniform and the correct shoes and all of their school supplies, or they're not allowed to go to school. So I said, um, okay, well, we, we need to get them in school. So... Gave her the money to pay for their inscription fees. They're probably around $30 each child, $30 per child. The inscription fee, the uniform, uh, shoes, and their backpacks, and their school supplies. So the next picture, that they were off to school. So thank you, church, for helping uh, you even send kids to school. And so we're excited about that. And then on the next picture, and um, I'm going to end on this one because we're running out of time. But there's so many stories. There are so many beautiful things. Um Juana, Juana with the pink shirt up top there, Uh, Juana was one of those tough moms that would come and bring her kids all the time. You know, she'd be one of those ones that would smack them on the back of the head and say, hey, listen, you know, and so she was a tough cookie, but she took a while. She took a while. And then finally, on Friday nights, I used to come and pick her up and take her to church for this. It was called Alpha Course. And uh, after 12 weeks, she got saved. She got saved, gave her heart to the Lord. And um, she had heard all the time about Jesus. Uh, A lot of times they'll say, yes, I want Jesus, but then they go home and nothing really changes because they're still praying to their statues and they're still mixed and everything. And so it's really hard to get them out of, um, I I walked into one house and I had to laugh because you had the Virgin of Guadalupe and Buddha right next to each other. So I'm like, if one doesn't work, then we'll try the other. And I was just like, you know, so it's, it's getting rid of those, those, um, traditions and and cultural things from years and years and say, you don't need any statue. You need Jesus. That's all you need, you know? And so, uh, she was one of our tough moms, but man, when she got saved, woo, all that toughness that she had, all that like, you know, uh, gung-ho-ness that she had, she's using it for Jesus now. So her, her kids, um, you know they've come to the kids class all the time. Well, little Alex up at the top there, he when he turned teenager, he uh, started getting involved with drugs and alcohol. They had to put him in a rehab center. And then um, Cornelio over here, he was a t- he was a tough guy, and you know drank a lot weekends and so forth. So even though Juana had been trying for two years to get him to go to church with her, it was he was always no, no. In fact, on Sundays he wouldn't let her go. So that's why we would take her on fr- on Friday nights. She would go on Friday nights, and he would never go on a Sunday. But because Alex was in trouble, she said, will you go with me? Come on, let's go to church. So he said, okay, I'll go with you this one time. He walks into the church with that same hat on, Yeah, sitting there. By the end, Cornelio, hands are raised, tears coming down his face, and he gives his heart to Jesus. He has never been the same. And so they started going to church and, and serving Jesus and so forth. I said, now, listen, you guys, if you really want all that God has for you, you you need to get married. You know, um, it's, it's what God, you know, says. If you really want the, his blessings, you need to get married. So they're like, well, we don't have any money and so forth. I was like, we can do this. So. There they are signing their marriage license with his nice groomsman hat on there, and they're they're signing their marriage license. Now they're married, and they're going to church. They're raising their family. They're starting a whole different generation of God-loving people, and so we're just so thankful to God that God moves. When you step out in faith, and you do something, and you say, God, this needs to happen. That needs to happen, and God works with you and, and does what needs to, to happen so that people's lives and hearts can be changed, the sky's the limit. There's nobody too hard that God can't reach. I've seen it over and over again. People that maybe it might take a little while. Some people it's taken eight years, nine years, knocking on that same door. It, you know, at, we, we had been in missions about 10 years. And our term had been, it was up, and we were talking about, are we going to come back or not? We do this every four years. Every four years, okay, Lord, are we done? Are we going to come back? Are we going to go back to the States? So it was about 10 years, and we sat there, and what are we going to do? And um, we felt from the Lord to go back. We're not? God said, nope, not finished yet. I want you to go back. And in the last, we, now we've been there almost 19 years, if we had stopped at year 10, we would never have seen all the incredible, beautiful uh, harvest that we've seen in the last nine years. And it's been so amazing because it felt like those first ten years was just sowing and sowing and planting and sowing. And the last nine years, we've just enjoyed reaping and reaping. And we can't wait to go back and enjoy some more reaping because the harvest is plentiful and there's more to do. There's so much more to do, and we're excited to go back and do what God has asked us to do. And we thank each and every one of you for having a part in that, for sending us, for making all that happen. There's so many more stories. We could be here all morning, Pastor. But you have had a hand in all of it. So many beautiful things, so many families, so many lives. That whole neighborhood, there's 35 families that we work with on a, on a weekly basis. Every week we're in that neighborhood, not just on Saturdays, throughout the week. And their lives are being changed. There's Those kids, they're not going to have the same future as the kids that were there before them. They're going to have a different future because they serve a very real and different God. Amen? Thank you. Will you pray with me this morning? Hallelujah. Maybe some of us in this room, we've, we have compassion. But a lot of times we don't put it into action. And Jesus wants us to move us into action this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so faithful. We serve a loving, compassionate, faithful God. And God, I thank you for all that you've done And what you're going to continue to do. I pray for every person in this room, Lord Jesus. Continue to use them. Move them in their areas in their life, Lord God. Touch their hearts this morning. Move them by compassion. Your beautiful, beautiful, lovely compassion. That should compel us and move us to do beautiful things for you, God. Take away all fear in Jesus' name. All worry in Jesus' name. God, we know that when we step out in faith and we say yes to you, the sky's the limit. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Julie, thank you so much.